Welcome to episode 35 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Jeff Brownson. And I'm Derek Dye. And together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Our guest today is M. Sauter from Pints and Panels. M. is a certified advanced Cicerone, an international beer competition judge, and an all-around great person to talk to if you want to learn a little more about what you're drinking. Through Pints and Panels, M. uses her skills as a cartoonist to share what she knows about beer and brewing with the world. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything we have coming down the line. And now, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with M. Hey everyone, and welcome to another great episode. As always, I have Derek with me. How you doing today, Derek? Oh my gosh, the heat and humidity in the mid-Atlantic are about to kill me. How about you? It's pretty humid here too, but I'm trying my best not to go outside. Uh, let's see how it is up in New England when we welcome our guest here. We have M. Souter, who is a an, an amazing artist and a super knowledgeable beer connoisseur and it, i'm super excited to talk to her but let's get her on on the mic first welcome to the show em thanks guys it's great to be here it's one of those episodes jeff where i'm already looking at her looking at her background and her resume uh, i'm already reminded that we're always the dumbest people on our own show we are we often are but you know that's how it goes i'm sure that's not true i don't know about that <laughs> Wait till you talk to well, us we'll for a find couple out. hours. I, You'll we'll find yeah, it out. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so let's get going. Obviously, where we like to start every time on a beer and travel podcast with what we're drinking, and we'll go with our guest first. What have you got in the cup there, Em? Actually, I haven't opened it yet. Uh, I, have a, I have a glass. Uh, so I work part-time at a brewery called Fox Farm in Salem, Connecticut, and this is our Grojiski I'm going to, sorry for the, I live in a town full of Polish people and I don't speak Polish, so I apologize for my lack of knowledge. I call it a grotzer, which is the German word. Uh, it's a Polish smoked oat wheat beer. Oak smoked wheat beer, there we go. Low alcohol. So I've, I've got it right here and I'm, I'm excited. This is the first time we've made this beer and we used locally smoked malt. And so it's, it's very smoky. So that's what I'm drinking. So yeah, it's 3.2%. That's my kind of drinking. Well, that sounds fantastic. And I love that you poured it on the show. I'm not sure that we've had that before, but we got to hear the crack of the can and the pour oh, in yeah, the glass. Yeah. And that was, I, I mean, I always have mine ready to go because I, I'm impatient and I want to drink it. <laughs> but I, I like what you did there. I'm a professional. And Derek, what do you have going today? I must admit, I also like the crack of that can, Jeff. Maybe we need to make that a, a Miles and Pints tradition now. Uh, love it. I'm going with a local favorite of mine, the Lots 6 Double IPA from Evolution Craft Brewing in Salisbury, Maryland. It is a slightly higher ABV than M at 8.5%. A bunch of, bunch of bitterness and a bunch of hops and a 
lot of deliciousness. So one of my favorite Maryland double IPAs. How about you, Jeff? I am going slightly less local. In fact, all the way across the pond. And I've got myself a Guinness for the recording today. And the reason for that is I am super excited because not when the first half of this recording goes live as an episode, but the second episode with M, that day, Chrissy and I are flying over to Ireland for a week vacation. And I am so excited to finally get there because I've had not one but two trips to Ireland that I have had fully booked in the past and ended up getting canceled. So in celebration of that, and it looks like they really are going to open up to vaccinated Americans uh, on the 19th there, I've got my Guinness ready to go today. And I have no details whatsoever for you about Guinness, other than to say if you like beer and you drink beer and you haven't had a Guinness, you're doing something wrong. So, Em, let's get into a little bit of your background before we get into what you're doing now. So I guess people can get to know you. You said you're in Connecticut now, but where did you grow up? Was that also in New England? Uh, I also grew up in Connecticut, yes. I grew up in southern Connecticut, so outside of when people are from the town that I'm from, you don't say where you're from. You say you're from outside New York City. (laughs) Okay, so really Um, southern Connecticut. easier that way. Yeah, so that's where I grew up. And then I've lived in New England ex- most of my life, except for college was in the Hudson Valley, so that's essentially New England. And then uh, I lived in Oregon for a year, 2011 to 2012. And then I moved back to Connecticut. So uh, other than that, I'm a New Englander. I've lived in Boston, Vermont, and then most of the time I've been in Connecticut. So Connecticut gets like a weird, it's the drive through state because you drive through it to get to better states. but. It's a real secret. Uh, it, the pandemic has shown that Connecticut actually is really great, and a lot of people are moving here. So it's actually it's very nice. They're starting to figure out that it's a little better than some of the surrounding areas, and you can still get where you need to be from there. The fact that I'm two hours from New York City and two hours from Boston, or an hour and 40 minutes from Boston, is pretty awesome. So we're also an hour and a half from the Vermont border or a little, so it's, you can get pretty much anywhere, three hours to Portland, Maine, um, pretty quickly. So it's nice. It's really nice. You're just naming all these awesome beer destinations Yep. and uh, telling us how close you are. I'm suddenly Mm -hmm. jealous. (laughs) It's really the fact that like, um, I don't go that often, but I live only 50 minutes from Treehouse. So that's a nice, you know, when people come to visit, I've, the drive to Hill Farmstead is two, it's like three hour, three and a half hours. I've done it before. I did a day trip with a, a good friend of mine from high school, uh, but he did the driving. So that was nice. I just sat there. But yeah, it's, it's the, ge- like the geography of New England is such that you can get places, the ocean, mountains, city uh, relatively quickly. So that's nice. We're headed up to visit friends in Burlington, Vermont in a couple of weeks after we get back from Ireland. And I texted him the other day. I was like, I know that it's not right near you or a quick drive, but if you happen to be near Hill Farmstead and you could grab some beers, I'd love to take some home with me. (laughs) So we'll see if those are at the house when I get there. The beer is good. The beer is really, the beer is good everywhere though. New England has very, we're very lucky. So you're on the show today because of, I guess because I found you on Instagram maybe or Twitter. I don't know which one, but one of your social media accounts 
And I saw some of the stuff that you were posting and I was like, this girl is really cool. We need to, we need to know each other. So I stalked you a little bit on the social media and watched your content you were putting out. And eventually I did what every creepy guy does. And I slid into your DMs and I was like, hey, do you want to be on a podcast? So here we are recording a podcast. I hopefully am not as creepy as that may have first seemed. No, you're good. But the reason that you're here is because of what you're doing in the beer industry at this point. Is there something you did before that? Did you have another career that started or have you always kind of been on this trajectory? So the way that Pines and Panels started was I went to graduate school for cartooning in Vermont, in White River Junction, Vermont. It's called the Center for Cartoon Studies. Before that, I was working in finance, which was financially nice, but I wasn't really in it, you know, like I didn't, you know, I went to work, I I worked for a wonderful company, they treated us all very well, wonderful benefits in downtown Boston, I I still talk to my old boss, like it was great, but I found out about this cartooning school, and so I uh, applied and got in, and then um, I got an MFA in cartooning, and that was in 2011, and that was right at the beginning of the like craft beer, like, you know, when it was really starting to pop off. So in 2010, I remember going to Hill Farmstead and Sean Hill had just gotten his first pallet of bottles the day I arrived. Uh, and he was brewing That's in his cool. garage with like a buddy of his, yeah. And we would go to The Alchemist, which still had their restaurant before it got destroyed by the big flood. And John Kimmich would like walk, walk me around and like drink a bunch of beers with him. Or we'd go to Von Trapp when they would brew in their deli. Uh, they turned their deli into a brewery, which is now, they built this huge facility. Now it's like a huge beer hall. It's a big destination, besides the fact that it's part of the chalet, like the lodge. So living in that time, I was like, there's all this great beer. I want to do a comic about it. So I started doing Pints and Panels in May of 2010. So it's been 11 years. At first I reviewed beer. So if you look back at like my really old stuff, I'm reviewing beer and I don't know what I'm talking about. And are you reviewing beer in comic form yes are you reviewing beer and video and no no it was all comic form so it was a great way to i used to use it as a like warm-up exercise for school so i would draw about and then it gave me an excuse to like go to the beer store and just like try everything um or go to the like you know a bar and just like try all the weird beer there's a three penny tap room in montpelier vermont if you're it's worth if you're in burlington it's worth the drive it's one of the best beer bars, like, pro- it's probably one of my favorite beer bars of all time. So it's worth, if you're in Burlington, it's worth, uh, worth the drive. Sounds like another road trip, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, we are driving up to Burlington from D.C., so I almost have to stop one going one way or the other, right? Yeah, you'll be right. You'll pass Montpelier on the way. So there's that, or Prohibition Pig is in Waterbury, and Waterbury has some good stuff too. But Three Penny Taproom is... The food's phenomenal. The beer, the beer selection is so good. It's probably one of my favorite places. I haven't been in, I don't remember the last time I was there, probably seven or eight years. But it's a wonderful, wonderful bar. And they're, it's one of the best places like for beer probably on earth. Um, I have been to Pro Pig, and I can agree with you that it is one of the best beer bars I've ever been to. That's Pro Pig's great too. So there's a lot of really good beer up there. So wherever you'll go, that's the best part about Vermont. Wherever you go in Vermont, 
you will get good beer. Yeah, especially with the people that I'm getting together with because they're all big fans of beer and they come in from all sorts of places. My one buddy lives fairly near uh, Treehouse, so he'll bring some Treehouse up and the other guy will get, Mm. like you said, some of the Alchemist and usually has some Hill Farmstead and who knows what we'll see this time. But I'm driving up, so I might actually be able to bring some local stuff up with me this time and usually we fly. So nice. it'll be a nice little change. So I'll get to try some of this stuff. It's always fun to share. That's the best part about it. I heard of, I was having beers with a friend of mine and he said like the best part about beer is the sharing aspect of beer. And I was like, that's a really good line. I'm going to steal that. And he said, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, so that's the best part about beer is the like sharing all the things, the local stuff, because everyone's got their favorite local. And then when you travel, traveling and trying all the different beers and like meeting new people and sharing beer with them. So... And then strangers become friends and all that stuff. That's exactly what our podcast is about. Yeah, that, there you go. Exactly what we do. So when did you first fall in love with craft beer? Because it sounds like it was, I don't know if it was that early. When you were in grad school, at least, you were definitely looking to explore and try as many new beers as possible. When was it when you could first start to afford it? Because that's kind of when I got into craft beer. <laughs> Yeah, so when I worked in finance, I was living in Boston, and this is around like 07, 08. And so that's kind of the time of like big regionals, but also like good, you know, Massachusetts has really um, easy distribution laws. So like a lot of people distribute in Massachusetts. Um, Connecticut does not. So I've been known to drive to Massachusetts to buy things and then drive home. So like we would go to when I lived in Boston I lived in Charlestown but my roommate lived in Somerville or he worked in Somerville so I would meet him after work and then we would go to downtown wines and spirits and buy you know they had coolers full of stuff that I had never heard of before uh, from California or or you would get you know you go to Harpoon there was a lot of like Sierra Nevada bigger like bigger regionals that were but the beer was good so it was a lot of like Bear Republic, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of Sierra Nevada. I remember drinking a lot of Racer Five Bear Republic. There was just you know you'd buy stuff and you'd try it and see if it was any good. You'd go to a beer store and you'd just be like, oh, I have this amount of money. Like we'll just try, we'll buy a bunch of stuff and try it. And it was all big bottles and like bombers and stuff. I remember when Dale's Pale Ale came to Downtown Wines and Spirits and they had a big display and it was cans and I was like beer in a can like I remember being like kind of horrified which I thought was really funny because like now everyone like now everyone drinks out of a can and it just shows the like evolution but I remember being really excited about getting being able to get Oscar Blues so it was yeah I mean we would just try a lot of different beers and all my friends are really into beer and the beer selection and the beer scene in Boston was really good um Nowhere like it is now with like all the local stuff. There was very little local, you know, Harpoon was probably, Harpoon, Sam Adams, their, the brewery, they, their R&D brewery. There was a couple other like Cape Ann brew, you know, like smaller brew pub stuff, John Harvard's. So we would do that. And then when I moved to Vermont, that's when like just the amount of good beer, it just took, and it took off too. So it like coincided with the big explosion. And then moving to Oregon was like, I thought Vermont had a lot of beer. And then you move to Oregon and it's like... You get all that West this, Coast stuff. This, yeah. This strip club has 20 beers on draft. And you're like, <laughs> what? Like, wait, and what? they're all really good beer. Yeah. Yeah. 
I heard you mention Cape Ann Brewing. I got a chance to go there uh, summer of 2014 and really enjoyed it. But I have to ask, have you ever tried their um, ghost pepper buffalo wings? No, I haven't. I never ate there. I wanted to eat there. We drove up there once, but it was too, it was like a Saturday night. But their pumpkin stout is the best pumpkin beer. I don't know if they still make it because pumpkin mm-hmm. beers are kind of, who knows. Um, but man, that, that beer is so good. Their beers are great. Yeah, the beer was wonderful. And I love spicy stuff, but I'll give a warning to all of our listeners. If, if uh, Cape Ann Brewing Company still has their ghost pepper buffalo wings, do not order them. I think I'm still missing skin from my face, and that was seven years ago. I tried as many beers as I could. I tried drinking milk. I asked for ranch and blue mm-hmm. cheese, and I still could not get the fire uh, out of my mouth. And the uh, the poor uh, bartender was just laughing at me the whole time. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Another interesting thing you mentioned there, M, was the conversation about canning craft beer. It's it's funny you mentioned that. I specifically remember having a conversation with my best friend from college around the same time it sounds like that you saw Oscar Blues canning their cans, you know, which was a novel concept, you know, back 10 years ago. We were drinking a uh, similar Oscar Blues beer out of a can and literally laughing about, wow, I can't believe we paid this much for craft beer and it's in cans. The quality can't be there. Uh, there's no way it could be as good as bottles. And, you know, fast forward 10 years, most craft beer is in cans these days. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I can't think of a brewer in Connecticut. I'm thinking of, the, I have two breweries in my town. They both can. And it's all, it's interesting how each state kind of has their preference. Certain states seem to like bottles or cans so like connecticut i don't know it's all everyone's doing these 16 ounce tall cans and that's what everybody does um i i personally like a shorter can i like a 12 ounce can uh, but i'm also a huge lightweight so that's why i'm drinking 3.2 percent smoked wheat beer uh but yeah it's interesting how like it'll and then in 10 years it'll be completely different i mean no one there's no like you know, now everyone's drinking hard seltzer, which is like, who saw that coming? Right. I mean, it's such a weird, like, I, and I personally really like hard seltzer because I, I, I'm a beer, I'm an optimist when it comes to like, I love pretty much everything. Um, so I'm absolutely on the other side of the fence on that one. And it's not, I love that hard cider exists and I love that it's there for other people, but like, I don't like flavored seltzer water i don't like oh see i drink we i don't drink like a sparkling lot of... water i don't like oh. any of that so flavored seltzers are just like a whole another category mm-hmm. of stuff i don't want to drink yeah but i like how it's there for other like it's not normally something i unless it's like a million degrees that's when i normally drink it but when it's like right now today it's weirdly like misty and 70 here so like i don't want don't want a hard seltzer it's got to be like super hot same thing with like fruit beer it's gotta be really hot for me to want like a fruit beer but well come on down to maryland we'll uh I, yeah, we'll give no, you some I, humidity and a yeah. hard seltzer I, uh <laughs> i'll i'll take the hard seltzer but not the humidity i really it's really humid today here it's like 85 percent or something and it just feel i feel damp and i don't like it and I want, I, we've gotten, it gets humid where I live. I grew up on the water, so we had less humidity. And now that we live in like the Connecticut Valley, it gets humid and I'm not, 
our dream is to move to to retire and move to Vermont. <laughs> Even though I'm like 38, I'm like, hey, let's make some money and then we'll retire. Let's do and this. We'll move to now. Vermont. <laughs> let's yeah. I think it's like 376 percent humid here today. So, I I have cousin I have family in D.C. So I've I've experienced your humidity, and uh, no thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. brutal. And it's yeah, I it's think the temperature is over 90 today. Like I said earlier, I I don't go outside. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I've been inside the whole day. Hopefully it'll cool down at some point and I can get out for a quick run or something. I don't know. Maybe not today. It's a little warm. But let's talk about, so obviously you got into beers and knew where to go and knew where to find the, the good beers and get a variety of beers. And it's so cool that as you're growing your love of beer, the craft beer movement is growing and you're getting more and more examples. But then you've taken it farther in that you, unlike a lot of beer drinkers, you chose to educate yourself and learn about beer. What... I guess, pushed you in that direction? Why did you want to get into, and we can talk a little bit about the the Cicerone program or just gaining beer education personally, and then in a bit we'll get into how you've started being an educator for others now. Yeah, so I just, I really, when I found out about the Cicerone program, I think I was in, I was about to graduate from the Center for Cartoon Studies, and I had learned, it had only been around for like five years or so and I was like oh that sounds awesome like I want to like really push myself if I'm gonna love beer I want to be able to learn and know as much as about beer as possible because there's so much to learn and when you google a lot of stuff um, a lot of it is wrong and um, particularly in places that like shouldn't be wrong like reputable website it gets me I get very frustrated in misinformation in beer so that's been a recent obsession to try to like mitigate that. So if I can offer visual beer education, that's, I mean, some of this, I got an email yesterday from someone that's like, you put this down and that's not accurate. And I was like, it was a number, I had mixed up some numbers, but you know, everyone can be wrong sometimes. I was like, oh my, like I want people to tell me when, if something's wrong or let's have a dialogue about it because they're in beer, there are a lot of right answers. So like, you can brew an American porter like a million different ways and it's still a porter. So there's a lot of right answers in beer. But if I can use art to teach people about beer, it's been really like, it's been incredibly rewarding to do that. And then learning my, using it for my own, you know, edification to learn as well. So that's been super helpful as well. So studying for the certified and then getting my advanced you just get kind of like obsessed with it. You get ravenous and you just want to learn and then taking the master and the master is just, it's a lot of fun, which everyone's like, what? But at the same time, like you have to learn how they want the answers. You know, you can know it kind of, but if you can't explain it in the way that they want it, cause it's a, it's a, and this isn't like a, I'm not bagging on them or anything like that. It's a, just the way that they have like an algorithm where like you have to say these, this, 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 and then you get points for it. Uh, and if you miss those, then you don't get like points. So it's incredibly difficult. Like I'm gonna take it one more time, the master, and then if I don't pass, which I probably won't, I mean, who knows, uh, that I'll never take it again. But being an advanced is still pretty awesome. I was very proud when that happened. I did not think I was gonna pass on the first try, and I did, and that was 
very exciting. And how long ago was it that you did that? Uh, it was 2017, so four years ago. And then I took the master in 2018 and 2019. And I got close-ish. You need an 85 to pass, and I got an 78 the first time and a 77 the second time. So I did worse, which a lot of that happens to a lot of people where you get confident, where you're like, oh, I got this, and then you don't get it. So, I mean, 19 people took it when I took it in 2019, and one person passed, and it was his third try. So wow. it's, yeah. And, then, and a lot of people in that room with me are some of the smartest people that I know and were tagged in taking it multiple times. So it's, it's incredibly stressful. And what was the uh, study time in the lead ups to these attempts? I, so this year I actually, so I'm working on my second book and I've been using that as like, working on my book is kind of like studying. Um, but the first and second year, I mean, I studied probably like hundreds of hours and it, I almost felt like it didn't, it, I learned, but it wasn't really like helpful. You kind of have to live, live to take the exam. Like you need to know how to brew. You need to know like science. And a lot of people who take it and pass it are brewers or they own a brewery. So they have the expertise of that. I don't, um, I do work at a brewery, but I'm not there when they brew, but they, they're very open about like, if you ever want to come and help. So I've, I have done that somewhat, but it's, yeah, you've, they it's, describe it more of like a marathon and not like a sprint. You just have to kind of live and experience beer to know the exam. Studying's fine, but doing is almost better. So, so they want folks that have studied and memorized the information, but also have kind of a, a lifetime of experiences in in beer not just memorization from a book yeah I mean like if you look at the people there's there are only 19 people who've passed it and if you look at those people they're you know Patrick Rue who owned the brewery um Joe Vogelbacher passed in 2019 he owned Sugar Creek Brewery in North Carolina Avery Swanson who was the head brewer at Jester King who now has her own Saison line in Chicago uh, it was her third time taking it there's a couple people from Miller Coors, a couple people from Budweiser, and their chief, their chief job is education. So, you know, they made sure that they did really, I mean, it took them a couple, I think it took them a couple of times. Some people pass on their first try because they're just, you know, they know how to play the game. Uh, most people don't, um, but I still think it's, it was a, taking the exam the first time was so much fun because there's no pressure. You know, if you fail on the first try, Whatever. Everybody does. So you're almost Most supposed people do. to, right? Yeah. So like, you know, cool if you pass on the first try. Like, that's amazing. Um, the two people who passed when I took it in 2018 was Chris Pisney. And it was his first try. Um, but he also worked for Cicerone. So I think he had, he you know, he had a slight leg up. Not that to, to say that he's not a super smart, wonderful person. And then Avery Swanson was her third attempt to take the exam. So... It's, it was, I, I feel like this time going in now to take it this year, I don't, I don't feel pressure to pass. Um, if I pass, cool. If not, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing and it, it's, I seem to be successful at it. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, so what's the difference between, I mean, obviously I, I understand the difference between advanced and master Cicerone is a whole lot more education and it's a much more elite crew 
But practically, what does that mean? Is it if you become a master Cicerone, does that open up a lot more job opportunities to you? Does it do you get invited to be on bigger and better podcasts than with us? <laughs> like, I, what, I get that question a lot because people are always like, oh, what would happen if you passed? And I don't have an answer. I, I don't know what would happen. I know I have if I do pass, I have one job offer already, which is a freelance job that someone was like, if you pass the master, you can work with us because it's it's like masters only. It was like a small EA like website, but they wanted a master Cicerone to do reviews. Um, and they had, lo they had lost their master Cicerone. He, had, um, he was doing something else. He was too busy or something, I don't know. So there's that. But at the same time, like I look at the people who are master Cicerones and like, you know, they're just working. You know, they're, they're owning their brewery. They they're doing, doing before. They're and... doing, yeah, they're doing what they're doing before. Probably opens a fair amount of doors. It probably gets you, you know, if you work for Budweiser, you know, or Miller, or whatever, you get a raise. Uh, if you work for any other brewery, you probably get a raise uh, or a new title or whatever. But, you know, I, Pines and Panels, is nothing's going to change if Pines and Panels becomes a master. You know, I get become a master Cicerone. I'm just You're not going to give yourself a raise? I mean, I'm, only, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I only make, I make money when people buy stuff. So maybe like... <laughs> maybe people will buy more stuff if you yeah have that you know maybe my, yeah I passed my advance while working on my first book so I almost feel like working on my second book and studying for the master feels like a good I mean who knows I don't you know I don't I don't know and if I pass cool I'm just I like I do like taking the even if I pass I'd ask to take the exam again it's a lot of fun. And that's such a weird nerdy thing to say, but it's such a brain. And same with the, the advanced was, the advanced is, I almost found the advanced to be more stressful because the advanced is a lot of multiple choice and short answer. Whereas the master is strictly essay and strictly oral, quite like oral like examination. So the advanced is like way more involved. So when I took the advance, I left that day thinking I had failed miserably. Um, except I knew I had passed the tasting portion. Yeah, it was, I remember going to a brewery and just like staring at the beer and being like feeling incredibly defeated and exhausted. And then six weeks later, I found out I passed. Barely, but I still passed. Um, so we'll see what happens with the master. So you talked a little bit about what these testing days um, are, but... Can you break down a little bit for our listeners, like to go get your advanced Cicerone, uh, there's multiple choice. Is there anything else included? So the advanced is a full day. It's six hours of essay. So three hours of essay and then a break. Then there's two tasting portions where they'll put beer in front of you and they'll go, all right, here's a beer. Is this uh, a blonde ale, a Belgian blonde ale? a cream ale or I don't you know something other like our American light lager and you have to get you have to circle which one you think it is then there's uh off flavors so they spike them and then you got to know what they are and there's I don't believe then there's no uh, like bank you just have to know them um, that's the same in the master as well but the master is much more I struggled with the tasting in 2019 because they there's some I just can't get you know and there's some I'm blind to indole which is Indole's funny because half of Indole people think it smells like jasmine and half of Indole people think it smells like like poop essentially <laughs> so um, and I and a lot of people are blind to it so I don't get it at all 
So I was like, well, there's nothing in here. It was, and it was part of a stop. So they have different tasting panels. So in the master, they have something called the stop go, where they give you nine beers and, and then regular beer is mixed in with spiked beer. And you have to be like, oh, this was, this doesn't have anything in it. Okay. Go on to the next one. Oh, no, stop. There's a fault in this one. You have to write out what it is. Um, and it was, Indole was in there, and then caprylic acid was also in there. Caprylic is, like, goaty. It's, like, a waxy goat, like, goat hair. Um, and I don't, I never get that either. So I bombed that tasting panel, and it really threw me off, and so I did not very well on the tasting panel the second time I took it. I would get approximately zero of those. I would, it's just, I would be like, this tastes funny. <laughs> like, there's some... one, it's all about pr- like practicing. Like once yeah. you, I took um, the. There's a special class you can take the week before the exam. Um, that's run by the Spike Company, is a company out of the UK called Aroxa, and you can take that class, and it's quite pricey, but it is worth every penny. Um, the first re- time I took the master. Um, I actually have my, here I have my certificate of achievement they give you. <laughs> and I got, I, 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 they give you a test at the end and I got a 96. So I was very, I got the third best score in the entire class. And I was taking the class with Dan Imdike, who's used to be one of the master Cicerones at Miller Coors. And then he moved to, I believe he moved to Costa Rica to just go surfing with his family. <laughs> I don't know so, where he is now, but he's living his best life. So he wanted to retire, just like you want to retire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, uh, but he did. Yeah, he did the he did second best in the class, and then the first best was Joe Vogelbacher, who is now a master cicerone. He passed the following year. So, and the um, spike class is just lining up good quality beers and then putting flaws in them. Yep, and then they they so it's it's the week before the exam usually. And then it was myself, and then a bunch of it was it was a really interesting class because it was myself, Dan was there, Joe, um, a couple of Cicerone people were there, and then a bunch of people from a brewery in Guyana, so from South America, took the class with us. So like their brewmaster, they brew all the Guinness foreign export for the South American market. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was really they were awesome. Like they're. So we took the class with them and there was a couple other people as well that took it and they start you off like really with like walking through the best way to taste everything, like really dosing everything and then testing you on it, testing you on it. And then slowly but surely they kind of like wean you to it's like on a minuscule level. And by the end of that week, cause it's a whole week, uh, eight hours a day, the end of that week you are unstoppable. Um, so the first time I took the master, I did, I, I wish, the thing about the master is you have to, it's not like the sommelier where if you pass the tasting, you never have to take it again. Um, you have to take it all again. So the first time I took it, I got an 89 on the tasting. And it was one of the top scorers of the entire like people who took it. And not so much the second time. Not so much the second time. <laughs> I didn't take that class. Again, because I'm all by myself. I don't have a like I don't have a brewery or anyone paying for my me to take that class, so I skipped it the, that year and I was that sh- I probably I still would have probably failed, but I don't know. So, but this year they're offering it virtually, and I was like, take my money, <laughs> shut up and take my money. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do, do it. it. I'll do it. Here, here. How many how many pounds do you want? Like I'm I'll do it. Uh, but they're doing it virtually, and it's um, three hours a week for ten weeks. 
So it's essentially a week long. And then you spike everything at, at your house. So it's a little cheaper than normal just because you're not in. But I don't have to like fly to Chicago and stay in a hotel or stay with a buddy. So I'm going to take it. So Do they send you a kit, I guess, to you don't know what's in the a little vial or something to put in your beer? I don't know how they're going to do it. I've, I've, um, the class hasn't started yet. It starts next month. So I haven't told them. I told them I was interested. And then I asked if there was a discount. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a picture of your certificate and say, I was Look. like, I got a 96 last time. Come on. Uh, so we'll see. I'd like to make sure that if I'm going to take it this year, that, you know, I've got, I have a study group that I use um, every, we meet every Thursday. If I take that, plus I'm, I'm reading and trying to do some essay stuff. My book is due in six weeks. Yeah. Two, two months, two months. Uh, but I want to finish it early. So I'm, cause I want to go, I'm going on vacation to Montana and I don't want to have to think about the book. I'd like to see a buffalo or whatever, climb a mountain. So yeah, it's, who knows? If I pass again, great. If not, no big deal. You'll still be cartooning. Yeah. And did I hear you correctly? Are there only 19 master Cicerones? There are only 19, yes. Very cool. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people, I just don't want to be the person that there there are people who I've taken it with who have taken it again and again and again and again and again. And it's, I'm not interested in, you know, doing it every year, trying and trying and trying. So this is it. All, a lot of people who are my friends are going to take it as well. It's a great community. They're like beer, edu- not beer, they're not all beer. Edu- but a lot of people are like in quality. Um, so like scientists. Uh, or work at breweries, and it's a good it's a good community. They're all really, really good people, and everyone at Cicerone is really nice too. Well, I hope that you pass. Thank you. I so that we can put on our podcast. We had a master Cicerone on our podcast. I'd like to pass, and if I do, cool. If not, you know, Pines and Panels is doing well, and I feel like it will hopefully continue to do well, and I will continue to educate and learn. You always learn something new every day, and that's the best part about beer, um, is I'm always learning, and, you know, I'll always continue to learn. So, yeah. So let's talk more about Pints and Panels. Can you give a quick overview of what it is that you do there? Why does it exist? So Pints and Panels originally was beer reviews, and has since since 20 about November of 2019 has pivoted to visual beer education and that's something that we have new art every day and when I say we I mean me because the royal we I always talk about pines and panels like it's a much bigger entity than myself because it's not really about me it's about the education portion of it so I always try to like make it larger I guess so there's new art every day and I've been drawing now for about a year and a half just visual beer education. So Pints and Panels does beer styles where we break down beer styles very simply. We're, I'm very into the like, um, you know, beer and food simple. So like, I'm going to drink this Grodziski. Uh, what would I pair with it? And I would say like, oh, you know, your Polish is Polish. So like kielbasa or, you know, pierogi or. Well, you have successfully made me want to go to Poland now. So yeah. I've never been to Poland. I, I, the town that I live in has the second highest concentration of Polish people outside Chicago. So Chicago's number one, and then where I live is number two. 
And so there are places on Broad Street or Little Poland where you go into a grocery store or a restaurant and they will greet you default in Polish. And you kind of look at them and then they go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and sometimes switch to English, but sometimes they don't. Um, there's a, I've been to restaurants where there's a language barrier where you just point at the menu. It makes me feel like I'm in Europe and I kind of like that. That's what I did when I was in Poland. I just pointed at the menu. <laughs> yeah, you point at the menu. <laughs> or you're like, yeah, there's um, the Polish grocery store has an excellent beer selection. All the Baltic porters you could shake a stick at. All the weird foods and whatnot. So it's it's definitely a place I like to go um, and try all their like strange. There's a lot of lagers, a lot of, it's not strange, but a lot of lagers, a lot of, uh, a lot of porter and a lot of really good high alcohol Baltic porter. Um, so, and they're dirt cheap too. It's like a bottle of like, what is it? It's Fijek, the like, the big Polish brand. Their porter's like, it's like a dollar fifty a bottle and it's 9% and you're like, yeah, I'll two of those. So then you go home and you like, just like, especially in the winter, it's great. And there so, went your night. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, just one <laughs> and then I'm done because I'm a lightweight. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's really fun to do the um i do it my new one is beer and life simple which is i'm surprised at how popular that is because i just kind of like i'm drinking this you know gradisky what would i like to do while i you know drank it and i you know it's a very refreshing smoked beer so like barbecue or go for a walk or you know there's no wrong answer but people seem to really like that and that's new so i've been doing that and then there's different hop varieties, different beer styles. I do, um, for people studying for the Cicerone, I have visual syllabus, syllabi for level one, the certified beer server and level two certified Cicerone. And I do a, a master as well. And all of these are available for free um, in the educational archive on my website, just cause I want education to be accessible. So if you want to take, you know, taking the a Cicerone is expensive. So if you want to study for it, sometimes taking a class can be too expensive or out of the you know means of someone. So if I can offer free education, that's something that's super important to me. Such a cool conversation we have going there with M. And if you want to hear the end of that, be sure to tune in next week also, as we'll have the second half of our interview with her in the episode next week. But for now, it is time for Derek and I to talk to you all about credit cards, hotels, airlines, travel, and everything happening in the travel rewards world. And Derek, what do you say we get started with the big news from last week? We have some updates on that. And that's the City Premier 80,000 point welcome offer. Yeah, we were so excited, right? This uh, all-time high offer on what I believe is the most underrated credit card in the award travel space and again what I believe is the best card you can get with an annual fee under $250. The City Premier uh, 80,000 point offer for $4,000 spend in three months. Uh, only a $95 annual fee. You get 3x on dining, on groceries, on gas, a bunch of travel, uh, all uncapped. So you have tons of Tons of categories, 3X, completely uncapped, only a $95 annual fee, and then that mega sign-up bonus of 80,000 points. All-time high offer, Jeff. It 
a week ago, it seemed like this carrot dangling right in front of us. Absolutely. A week later, a bunch of denials later, we're left scratching our heads saying, what the heck happened? Yeah, I was very excited about this. I know you applied for it and got denied. My wife applied for it and got denied. And she, I was very puzzled by this because my wife has not gotten very many cards over the past couple of years. We really slowed down with her. So she is currently sitting at 224. She has over an 825 FICO score. Her utilization is low. She's got tons of available credit, which turns out to be a problem. That is a spoiler for you and what we're getting to. But she just, I mean, her credit looks great. Her score is great. She hasn't applied for a bunch of cards and just a flat out denial from City. So we called reconsideration today and I thought, you know, maybe we can talk our way into this because she got a letter, an email letter today. And the reasons that they said on that letter are your credit report shows a high amount of unused credit compared to your available credit lines. And your credit report shows too many bank or national revolving accounts. And those reasons scare me for a variety of reasons. We haven't seen these type of reasons from City before. That first one saying that she basically saying because she has kept her utilization low to raise her credit report and raise her credit score, they're going to deny her a card. And we've seen similar things from Capital One in the past where they have basically what City is saying And if you think and kind of analyze it is you're not keeping balances on your credit cards and paying fees. So we don't want to give you a new card, which is not good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's troublesome. You know, all of us, the deeper we get in the game, we always say, you know, um, the deeper you go in this game, the more familiar denials are, at least at the initial stage by a computer, we see that second reason a lot, right, on a denial that you have too many accounts. That can typically Mm -hmm. be overcome on a recon call. You get a human on the phone, you be super nice and friendly, you explain the reasons you want the card, you maybe talk through why you've opened so many other uh, cards, and you can typically overcome that. But the first one like you said, that first reason, you have too much available credit. We typically don't see that ever. Uh, maybe Capital One. You'll see that sometimes from banks if they don't want to extend any more credit to you. But Chrissy only has one city card open right now. It only has a $14,000 limit. So it's not that City has extended her too much credit. It's simply that they want her to be carrying balances that show up on her credit report on the other cards. They want to make sure that she's going to be a profitable customer. And that, so I was a little put off when I read that letter, but I called in and I talked to a a lovely woman on the recon line, but she just had no ability to do anything for us. And she cited a couple of times the new policies that they had enacted a few weeks ago that make it a lot harder for people to get their premium cards. She kept saying that the Premier was one of their premium cards. So I can't even imagine what it's like to try to get a Prestige right now. But they really need to see you using your other credit cards. She also looked at the two cards that Chrissy had gotten within the past year and said, when well, you know, we, we would really like to see those open for at least a year which again is something new coming from City. I don't know if they're going to expect people not to get more than one credit card a year. 
I'm not sure if this is something that's across the board, but it was, I didn't feel like I was talking to a rep who was giving me information. I felt like I was talking to a rep who felt her hands were very tied by the new policies that had come down and the things that she's been told. She said they're getting new information every day. They're being told new things every day and new policies. But at this point, it's really hard to get a card if you're not using your other cards and have those balances on your credit report. Yep. And it sounds like, you know, with this, as we always recommend to our listeners, um, it definitely sounds like a hang up call again situation where you'll probably give recon another go uh, either today or tomorrow or, or later on this week. But if if we hear the same thing, and I'm going to do a recon call myself, I was also instantly declined for City Premier, although I currently hold another one, so all is not lost other than that massive sign-up bonus. But I plan to do a recon call. Assuming we continue to hear the same thing, Jeff, on these reconsideration calls, uh, them citing these new rules and things like that, we probably have a difficult situation on our hands with... Um, I think the most underrated currency out there, thank you points, a currency that I would say probably a majority of award travelers really haven't dug into or at least haven't dug into as much as they should have, and that would be equal to Chase Ultimate Rewards and Amex Membership Rewards. Um, there's going to be some problems because if if people are foregoing uh, city thank you points by getting all the chase cards they need, you know, before moving on past 524, they may be shutting themselves off to thank you points permanently. And that is not a good situation. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I know I've talked to Spencer over at straight to the points and Mark at miles to memories. Both of them said that they have seen maybe a few approvals. Uh, Mark said not nearly as many as he expected for the premier card. I know you've seen mostly people getting declined and travel on points. It's it's a weird situation. I will probably call reconsideration one more time, but I'm not too hopeful that that's going to work out. So yeah. the City Premier 80,000 point offer, still a great offer, still a great card, but maybe hesitate a little, think about it, and... Only apply if you're willing to accept that you might get declined because yeah. they're declining a whole lot of people for that card. And I agree with that. And I guess my final point on this, Jeff, would be kind of like you. I would, at this point, I would probably almost expect a decline. However, the card itself, and especially this sign up bonus, is worth a hard pull to give it a shot. So if you're in need of a new card and you were considering this city premiere at an 80,000-point offer, which, as we discussed last week on the podcast, once you hit that 4,000 spend, if you do it in the 3X categories, you would have enough miles off that one sign-up bonus to fly round-trip business on Turkish Air to Europe. Absolutely worth the hard pull to give it a shot. You never know. You may be approved. You may be able to overturn it on recon, but... Probably most importantly, even if you are declined, we'll have another uh, data point to confirm if if these are new rules being implemented by City. So if you were planning to go for the City Premier, I would go full speed ahead, uh, but know that a decline may happen, but a hard pull is definitely worth a go for this card. And with that, we'll move on to American Express. We have been tracking some of these higher offers. I just want to put out there that there are a couple offers 
on the business gold and the business platinum cards that have no lifetime language in them. So for people who have had those cards recently or may already have one of those cards, these are great offers to use to get another one or to get one of these cards if you want it back in your wallet. The business gold has a 90,000 point after 10,000 spend offer. And with that is also $100 back for transactions greater than $1,000 with vendor pay. And you can do that up to three times. I'm not very familiar with that program. I looked at it a little bit, but not in detail enough to speak intelligently about it. So I will just put that out there. There may be fees associated with it. I don't know. But you get $100 back up to three times with that if that's of use to you. The Business Platinum card, there's two different offers. One is 150,000 points after 15,000 spend in three months. And that also has the $100 back times three with vendor pay. The other offer is the same 150,000 points after 15,000 spend in three months. But this one also has a 10,000 point bonus for adding an employee card and spending $1,000 on that card in the first three months. So 160,000 point if you can get all that spending done on that card. So some great offers with no lifetime language coming from American Express. And we joke all the time, Jeff, that, you know, it's just like, wait, wait till next week. We'll see another all-time high offer. Uh, and again, this week, that that's true on these no lifetime language offers. But I will say, these no lifetimes have been um, targeted uh, widely for over a month now. If you are looking at one of these no lifetime language offers, and you have the ability to meet the spend, don't wait around on it. They could disappear at any time. Uh, MX could decide to pull these offers, and these all-time high offers could go away. You could get lucky and wait a week or two and get a, a higher offer, but if you're ready for a card and you can hit the spend, go grab it. There's nothing better in the Amex world than a no lifetime language offer when you already have the card. Uh, you're getting to double dip a bonus that you're never supposed to be able to do that in a seven-year period, so go grab it. And Jeff, that's the good news from Amex this week uh, in these all-time high business no-lifetime language offers, but there was a lot of very, very weird news this week from Amex coming on the heels of them raising the platinum annual fee up $145 last week up to the $695 mark. Uh, this week, we started seeing Amex offers on other cards for clear. Now, for all our listeners, you may remember last year we were uh, last week we were talking about this increased annual fee on the platinum up to six hundred ninety-five dollars, and one of the only really useful credits was the clear credit of one hundred and seventy-nine dollars a year. Now it's showing up on various other cards. Uh, first, it appeared, uh, I, I shared the news in Travel on Points early in the morning. I happened to see it uh, this week on gold cards. We had it on uh, four different gold cards, uh, so uh, four offers there. But I got a data point, Jeff, today in, in Travel on Points. One of my readers had it on their Bonvoy Brilliant card. So, so last week, Amex is touting how great this clear benefit is. You know, $179 credit on your uh, Amex Platinum card more than makes up for this $145 annual fee increase. But wait, we're going to give it for free to holders of lesser cards, a Bonvoy Brilliant card and an Amex Gold card. Not only do I think is that a really bad look for Amex, but... Jeff, we're going to see extremely crowded clear lines at airports in the near future. 
Absolutely. And the one there, it does appear to be a difference between the offers. The one that's the Amex offer on the gold and probably as well on the brilliant requires you to spend the 179 or will give you the 179 credit in a single purchase, which is a little tricky with clear. And I'll explain why in a minute. And the one on the platinum card just says that you have up to $179 in credits over the course of the year. So the one on the new platinum card with the new benefits is a little bit better benefit. And the reason for that is, which we talked about when we first talked about these benefits, is you can get discounted clear memberships. If you are a United card holder, if you uh, have elite status with Delta, there's a variety of ways to get a lower, a lower fee for your application for clear. Then if you can do more than one purchase, you would then be able to add on a family member at a minimal charge. I think it's $50 or $60 to add on a family member. And then kids of the main member are free. So you could do what I'll be able to do is do all four of my family members with that $179 credit. The problem with the offers on the Amex Gold is that it's a single purchase, and when you add that family member, Clear does it as a separate charge. So you're only going to get that first credit, which won't be the full 179. Yeah, and the, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, two Amex's credit. I guess that is a distinction between the the benefit and the and the offer, like you said. But in my mind, what that tells me is uh, we should just discount the new platinum benefit from the $175 amount they were touting down to say 60 bucks, right? Because yep. you could you could otherwise get it full freight on one of your other cards. And at least those of us in the award travel community, if you have a platinum, you probably have a gold. You may have a Bonvoy Brilliant. So at this point, if you have a platinum, you're probably going to be able to get that clear uh, paid for with another card. And it's important to note that what I was talking about there only applies if you have uh, family members, if you have kids, or if your significant other does not have a platinum or a gold card. or So it's a small subset that that difference will mean anything. But if you have a platinum and your player two has a gold card, then you can both use the offer and it doesn't matter. Or if two of you have gold cards, you can both use the offer and it doesn't matter. So it's it's a very small distinction between the two benefits. It'll work out well for me. But not really enough to make it a huge value on the platinum card. And I guess I'm being sort of facetious and sarcastic here, but if you have multiple of these cards, and like I said, we have two platinums, uh, Sarah and I have two platinums, one each. We have four gold cards uh, between our personal golds and then a couple of AU cards. Actually, we have five. Um, So we have seven of these. Wouldn't we be, you know, assuming we don't have people, we're just going to, hey, we'll pay for your clear we're better off just charge not even getting a discount and just charging $179 each on golds because we'll get some extra MRs for that. And I'm joking because it's literally like 60 extra MRs. But hey, they add up, right? I think you should just get six memberships each and be super clear. <laughs> we ooh, is that is that called transparent? Yes. <laughs> Maybe there's a separate line for that if you have four different clear memberships. Each one scans the, one eyeball and a different fingerprint. <laughs> I want the transparent membership, please. I'm, I'm I'm way beyond clear. Oh gosh, 
must be end of the day, right? We're laughing at our own jokes yeah. now. That's but, the but, new uh, yeah. the transparent membership is a new a new benefit for the Premier card where you yeah. can get the transparent membership, but it's not transparent how you can actually get approved for the card. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, that's that's the Amex debacle this week. It's been a lot of a lot of bad news following up. You know, like we said on the heels of the hundred and forty five dollar annual fee increase last week. So I'm I really am scratching my head, Jeff. I really don't get it. Well, we haven't even talked about in the credit card section, but again, we saw this whole uh, membership rewards ending with Delta uh, this week, which was apparently was a complete snafu and wasn't. Um, going to happen ever, even though it was in, in all the terms and conditions of all these new membership rewards cards. So a really, I think a really, really bad two weeks for Amex public relations. Yes. And one good thing I will point out quickly, if you are struggling to figure out how to use that uh, digital entertainment credit, New York times digital membership or digital access is currently on special now for a dollar a week billed as four dollars monthly for your first year so you can throw that on your platinum card you still have sixteen dollars other than that to do things other than the new york times like with that credit so we'll actually have our two sirius xm subscriptions for our two cars and the new york times digital and that'll all be covered by that monthly fee so all three things that I wouldn't have purchased if I didn't need to spend that entertainment credit, but all three things I'm happy to have. Yeah, exactly. And with that, we'll move on from Amex credit card offers and talk about Capital One. Jeff, we've already mentioned the City Premier has been hard to get approved for. Let's move on to another card that's been equally hard to get approved for, the Capital One Venture Card. Publicly available offer. Miles and Pints has an affiliate link. If you are planning to apply, you can go get that on milesandpints.com on the credit card page. The Capital One Venture currently has a 100,000 point offer. It does take $20,000 a spend, uh, but you have uh, quite a long time to complete that spend. That offer is going away on July 19th. So once this podcast airs you only have three or four more days and then that offer will be gone for good so if you want that card now's the time to grab it if you can do that spend but again take note that they are tough to get approved with if you have a bunch of other cards or you've gotten a bunch of cards recently so maybe you'll get denied for two cards in one day who knows it's an interesting world out there in credit cards and one note also with Capital One, at least it's my understanding, and I've seen dozens and dozens of data points over the last three to four years, Capital One essentially has no reconsideration line. They just read a script and you're declined. So uh, if that comes across as a decline on the computer, there's almost a 100% chance that it, it will stay as a decline. Uh, reconsideration is almost always not successful. All right, and let's move on to hotels. There's some news from uh, your favorite, Hyatt, this week. I love me some Hyatt, don't you, Jeff? I do. I like me some Hyatt. I'll say that. You, you also love American Airlines, as I recall. I used to. <laughs> Not so much in the last 18 months. There's a lot of us in that boat. Let's just say this promo won't be very useful for me. <laughs> 
Well, let's get to the good stuff. Hyatt and American Airlines this week announced uh, that they have launched elite status matching challenges uh, from from each set of accounts. Uh, if you haven't already done so, you need to link your Hyatt and American Airlines accounts. Uh, and, and it's good to do that anyway. You get reciprocal earning uh, there. You can earn AA miles for staying uh, on paid stays at Hyatt's. And you can also earn Hyatt points for paid American Airlines flights. But with this elite status challenge that they launched this week, you must register by September 30th, and from the date you register for three months thereafter, uh, they have uh, given out, sent out elite status matching opportunities through flights, uh, at least uh, for American Airlines status. You can earn up to Platinum Pro, um, and that is eligible if you are an explorist or a globalist with Hyatt. Uh, I was looking, Sarah is a globalist, as as we know at this point, all our listeners know, I, I love Hyatt equally as, as Sarah does. And her challenge was honestly not that good, Jeff. I think we had to spend like $2,300 um, and fly, oh gosh, like 20 segments or earn 23,000 uh, elite qualifying miles to earn Platinum Pro. I don't see us doing that in three months. We may have enough to do gold. I think it was like 750 bucks or something in three or four segments. So we can probably do that if we have to throw out a, a mileage run. Um, I don't really know if we're going to have that much travel on American Airlines next year, so we'll probably skip it. I'm in the uh, our friend Richard Kerr's school of thought that Mileage running and mattress running for status is generally overrated, and uh, it's always better to be a free agent. Um, if, if I were doing that, the only program I think I would ever do that for is Hyatt Globalist. Uh, but, you know, never say never. There's opportunities out there. And this is interesting because it's a status or a matching elite status matching challenge, but it's between an airline and a hotel that are partnering together. And usually you see this with either hotel programs trying to get you from another hotel program or from airlines trying to get you over from another airline program. And to see partners work together to offer it, it's, it's interesting. I like where they're going with this. And we've seen it before with United and Marriott on a lesser scale, just partnering that you get uh, a low tier elite status on United if you have higher tier elite status with Marriott. But to see these challenges come in from Hyatt and American, maybe we'll see things coming down the road from other airline and hotel programs. And you'll be able to extend your elite status farther than where you've actually earned it. It's good to see. It's not obviously American, not my favorite at this point, but I like to see what they're doing with this. Right. And I, I know I'm biased, but I will I will say that if you are an elite uh, on American Airlines and the the opposite challenge is available to you now, uh, you can you can match your American Airlines elite status to Hyatt. Even if you're not a Hyatt loyalist, you have no status with Hyatt. And you know you love Hilton or uh, Marriott or IHG or some in, you know you just like independent chains or Airbnb. If you have an opportunity to to get Hyatt Explorist or Globalist, absolutely do it. It's worth it. Uh, give them a shot. Uh, most award travelers are very very pleased with Hyatt Globalist status. And that's all we really have for hotels this week. But we'll stick with American Airlines as we head over to our airlines segment. 
And sad news for people who have used their reduced mileage awards, which are available only to uh, the co-branded credit card holders, those are going away. American has said that they're ending the reduced mileage award program for credit card holders and that it is being replaced by web specials. And we've seen these web specials rolling out, and some of them are really good. Some of, They're very low award rates for different flights. The problem is there's no chart or there's no information on where you're going to find the web specials. You have to, I guess, come across them or see someone post about that they're available here to here, but there's nowhere that you can say, oh, there's web specials here, let me check that out. Whereas with these reduced mileage awards, they were available for specific city pairs or leaving, departing or flying into certain cities for a certain amount of time, and you could plan trips around it. With web, web specials, it's going to be, oh, it's cheaper on someplace I was going to fly anywhere, but I don't think it's going to encourage anyone to do more travel. So by saying it replaces it, it's a completely different program. Not a big fan of this move. I've used some of those reduced mileage awards in the past. And I know people that use them all the time. So it's it's a sad day for those people. And American says, hey, maybe you'll find a web special someday and be able to use that. Right. And the biggest problem, Jeff, I have with these award specials, you know, the web specials is, it's American's way of withholding saver awards from their partners, right? So these, these old reduced mileage awards... You, like you said, you had your city pairs, you found saver space, and then you could take 7,500 miles off a round trip. So a, so a 25,000-mile saver award, 12,500 each way, was reduced down to 17,500. Now, American, like you say, there's no chart, there's no uh, rhyme or reason with these city pairs and, and what will be a web special and what won't. Sometimes they're 6,000 miles, sometimes they're 9,000 miles. But what they've done is not only do you have no way to search for them without just going day by day and city by city, but more importantly, American Airlines is able to not release those seats that they normally would to their partners. And that's bad because a lot of times those seats would be even cheaper with British or with Iberia. So, you know, all around, it's a deval, I think, of the of the city and Barclays AA cards, number one. And number two, it just shows that American Airlines is going to continue in this um, track of not sharing saver awards with their partners. And it's really, really frustrating, and it's going to be a problem moving forward. The other thing to note about web special awards that was not the case with reduced mileage awards is web specials do not allow changes. So if you've booked that, you can cancel it, but you can't change it to another date. So another way of limiting if you can find the web specials and you happen to find them in places that you're searching. So not a friendly move by American, not especially shocking. And Jeff, we go from the frustrating to some really good news. Uh, one of the, if not the best, domestic seat available is the JetBlue Mint Suites. And those are now bookable with a different partner. This week we learned that you can now book JetBlue Mint with Emirates Miles, which is a really, really good development. And that's exciting for a couple of reasons. One, the flights in Mint start at around 40,000 miles each way with Emirates miles, which is less than the JetBlue points that you would have to use for those same flights. 
But the main reason that this is exciting is that Emirates is a transfer partner of all of the major currencies. So Capital One, Citi, Chase, Amex, all of them transfer into Emirates. So if you want to take a mint flight, you can pull miles in from wherever you want or points in from wherever you want to book that flight. Yeah, really good. Uh, And, you know, again, fantastic domestic seat. Uh, The price, you know, depending on your route, little steep for me. I guess it depends on what you're comfortable doing. I don't know if I'm going to pay, you know, 40,000 UR or MR to go LAX to New York. Uh, Some people might. Um, I would have to, you know, take a long, hard look, and that flight would really need to work for me and nothing else does. But, you know, if you're sitting on a ton of miles and or you can manufacture miles fairly easily, hey, flying the mint suites uh, on a six-hour transcon for 40,000 Emirates miles, not, you know, not bad uh, for the right person. So it's a really good development, though, and I think a lot of people will take advantage of it. Absolutely. Also this week, we saw Virgin Galactic went into space and took passengers, including Sir Richard Branson. So this is exciting, first of all, because it's it paves the way for commercial space travel and people will be able to go into space at this point. It seems to be mostly billionaires and people that they choose, but it's something that we can see progressing down the line. The other thing that it's exciting, and I can't help thinking it, and I've seen lots of people comment on it, is are we someday going to be able to use Virgin Miles to fly on Virgin Galactic and go to space? Take my money. Take if my so, points. I'm saving miles. I'm saving miles. And people think that this might be, that's ridiculous. No way that they'd ever do that. But this is also comes from the man who allows you to stay on his private island with miles. So it's it's a potential that we may someday be able to use miles to go to space. And I think it's worth starting to save those Virgin Miles just in case. I think you make a very, very, very good point. Necker Island is also, as you mentioned, his private residence, was his private residence. He now lives on Mosquito Island, uh, just across the sound from Necker. But he clearly views Virgin Atlantic miles as a currency, and he has a specific value tied to those. That's why you can use, I believe it's now 1.2 million uh, Virgin Atlantic miles for a week on Necker. Um I suspect you're probably right. If you treat miles as a currency, it's, you would be willing to exchange a set number of miles to get those off your books as a liability in exchange for a, 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 a some certain for a flight to space. So, you know, I guess I've got to really uh, beef up my points earning capacity because when it's available, Jeff, I'm going. This is coming from the guy who tried to talk my friends when we're all doing our joint 40th birthday uh, trips uh, each year that we turn 40. My my request was that we go to space, and they all just looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. Probably because I am absolutely crazy, but I have a dream of going to space. I think about going to space all the time. I might go to space and never return. You never know. But if it is possible on Virgin Galactic with Virgin Atlantic Miles... You can guarantee I'm going to try and do it. Absolutely. And that's all we have for airlines slash space travel this week. And we'll move over into our general travel section. The first thing actually I saw just today, Italy has declared the waters around Venice a national monument and thus banned large cruise ships, which is huge news 
because there have been people pushing for this for many, many years. And during the pandemic, there were no large cruise ships and they thought it was just wonderful. This is the residents of Venice and people around that area. So it's a big win for them. Ships that are either 25,000 tons, um, around 590 feet long, around 115 feet high, are all unable to travel in those waters surrounding Venice now. And that means that some large yachts are actually going to be banned, but pretty much all cruise ships fit those qualifications. And I see this, Jeff, as a positive and a negative. For tourists to Venice, they're probably going to appreciate it because there will be less tourists in Venice unless they quickly figure out a a new port of call close to Venice and then bust those uh, tourists in off the cruise ships. So the the other tourists that aren't on cruises will probably appreciate fewer tourists there. But you gotta you gotta think about all the small businesses that rely on tourism in Venice coming off 2020 when there was you know essentially no uh, travel and we're now getting into the first travel season where they can hopefully recoup some of their losses and suddenly I would what I would suspect is a large portion of their tourism dollars or these people flocking off of large cruise ships that's suddenly gone again and probably for the foreseeable future those small businesses are going to be hurting especially the ones within a few block radius of where the cruise ship passengers came in where where the port was because those places are always just crazy with souvenirs and drinks and local foods and they're going to lose a lot of money from not having those cruise ships come in so it'll hurt the local businesses it will hopefully drop tourism down a little bit though because it was really needed in venice they were having a large problem with over tourism so we'll see how it goes and i'm sure there will be people fighting this cruise ship companies i'm sure will be fighting this so we'll see if it actually goes into effect it's supposed to go into effect i think august 1st so not very long from now Um, but we'll see what happens as we go down the road with that in exciting news exciting for me especially ireland will be opening up on july 19th to vaccinated americans with no quarantine and no testing required and for a long time i was wondering if this is going to happen and the past couple days it's looking more and more like that is going to actually happen on the 19th and the reason that i'm so concerned with that is on july 23rd i have a flight with my wife to ireland and it will be our first time visiting and i am so 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 excited to visit perfect i mean jeff if we had known all it take is the capital one venture 100,000 mile offer ending for vaccinated americans to be able to go to ireland we would have just asked capital one to end that offer a long time ago right so both of those happening on july 19th we'll be sad that that offer has gone you're going to be extremely excited to be able to go to ireland on the 23rd i'm glad the timing worked out for you and honestly uh, you know, as as the world hopefully starts recovering from COVID, it's really good to see another EU country opening for their summer tourism season. So those small businesses and those mom and pop shops can open back up and make some money after losing 2020. And we've already got some lodging booked at some smaller places. We have some tours booked. I called Ireland this morning to book a, a nighttime kayak tour in the down in the Dingle Peninsula. And I, I'm very excited. I will do my best to support the pubs. I will try my hardest. 
to give them as many dollars or as many euros as I can while I'm there. Well, I'll be here working night and day, Jeff, so please send me lots of Guinness pictures and Beamish pictures and other really, really tasty Ireland beers while you're sitting around a nice fire and enjoying uh, enjoying the comfort of a nice cozy inn. And make me make me jealous and all of our listeners jealous. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. But before that, it. this weekend, actually, when this goes live, it'll be tomorrow on Saturday. The what's the date on Saturday? The seventeenth. Seventeenth, yes. Saturday the seventeenth. There is in DC a travel on points and straight to the points meetup at Proper Twenty One, and that is all of the details we're going to give you because they kind of want to know how many people are going to show up. So get in touch with us here at Miles and Pints. Get in touch with. Derek over at Travel On Points or get in touch with Spencer at Straight to the Points if you want the details on timing and when exactly that's going to happen. But uh, it's going to be, we've got a decent amount of people coming in for it and I'm pretty excited that you guys put this together. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see all of our travel buddies. Luckily, uh, Sarah and I have been able to hang out with Jeff and his wife Chrissy several times during the pandemic. We've all got to hang out with uh, Spencer uh, and his new wife uh, over the pandemic a few times, but it'll be the first time since FTUDC. Uh, I think that was March 7th of 2020, right before the world shut down. It's going to be the first time really there's been a, 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 a small points and miles meetup and we all get to hang out and talk points and miles and have a couple of pints together. So it's going to be really good to see a lot of familiar faces. It's going to be really good to see a lot of new faces because uh, travel on points especially, but I know straight to the points uh, has a lot of new faces and it's really good to meet new people. And you know, Jeff, as we're talking about, this is like the first miles and points meetup since, since COVID the last time we got together at FTU, Straight to the Points wasn't really a thing. It was just a newsletter then. Uh, it wasn't an official business. It wasn't Spencer's full-time gig. And it was it was a shell of what it is now. So that's really, really cool. A year and almost a half later, uh, Travel on Points is 7,000 people strong. Uh, straight to the Points is 12,000 plus people. And... Last but not least, Miles and Pints, we're now going, what, seven months strong in season two. We now have thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads, and we're growing every week. Uh, The world is finally coming back together, and we get to have a couple of pints to celebrate and see our friends, new and old. Can't wait. So if you're in the D.C. area or will be traveling here tomorrow, and if you're listening to this the day it drops then uh, let us know and hopefully you can come and meet us to chat about miles and points. If you live in Ireland and you happen to be listening and you want to get together for a pint while I'm over there, shoot me a message. We'll see if we can work it out. And if you ever come visit the DC area and want to get together and chat about travel, reach out to one of us and we'll do our best to meet up with you as well. And that's all we have for our Miles and Points with Pints segment this week. We'll be back next week with more of what's going on in the travel reward space and the travel world. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Em as we did talking to her. We always joke around about how our guests are smarter than us, but when it comes to knowledge about beer, that was certainly the case today. 
definitely check out Pints and Panels if you want to see some of your favorite beers turned into art and even learn a few things along the way. All of the important points and links for things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com. Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash milesandpints. And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourself a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun. If you love to travel